0: Hi guys, I'm Lalita Krishnan and you're listening to Part 1, Episode 27 of Heart of Conservation. I bring you stories from the wild that keep us all connected to the natural world. We may all at some point in our lives call an animal rescue center. But how many of us know what goes on after the animal is picked up? How many people does it take to look after an injured animal? What treatments are given? What is it fed or not fed? How long does it take to heal? What precautions are taken to speed up its recovery? And how and where is it released? I'm speaking with the Executive Director of Avian and Reptile Rehabilitation Center, ARC, Jayanti Kalam, and the ARC team in Bangalore to find out what makes a wildlife rescue center a professionally run enterprise. Jayanti has served as the board member of the International Wildlife Rehabilitation Council, IWRC. She holds a Master's in Business Administration from NYU. She has worked in various MNCs in the U.S. and quit after 12 years to pursue her interest in wildlife conservation. You can read the show notes for this episode on my blog, Earthy Matters, very soon. Janty, thank you so much for joining me on Heart of Conservation. Thank you. Yeah. Okay, you know, before we start with your relationship with the wild, I'd like to ask Mm -hmm. you about you know, human behavior. Uh, we animal lovers are a are very enthusiastic bunch. I mean, the first thing we do when we pick up an injured animal is to try and feed it uh, water or food. What is the right way to handle an injured animal before we even contact you?
1: That's a really great question because uh, this happens quite Often, like people want to help animals, but when they find an animal, their instinct is the very first thing they want to do is to feed the animal. But, uh, you know, to give you an analogy, like if you if you have a human that uh, that was in a road accident, you're not going to go and try to feed him something, right? You will take him to a hospital first or you will call an ambulance. The same thing applies to wild animals also. Uh, particularly in places where uh, there are wildlife rescue centers and wildlife rehabilitation centers, the best way to deal with when you find an animal, uh, a wild animal is to call the rehabilitation center and take their guidance. Because there are many nuances in this. Sometimes an animal does not need rescue at all. Um, and sometimes uh, maybe it has to be kept in a certain way before the rescue center, the team arrives. Or uh, maybe the most important thing to do in some cases would be just doing the crowd control. So no one disturbs the animal. So it it varies based upon the situation. And so that's why it is always important to call for guidance first before acting. Uh, Because feeding an animal or giving water, like in case of birds, if you just pour water down the throat, it can enter into lungs directly. Because their airway system is different from mammals' airway system. Uh, Or if you try to feed an animal without knowing what species it is and what is the right diet and how much to feed and is it even in a condition to eat at that point, you can do more harm than good. Um, So while wanting to help is a great thing and we do find a lot of people in Bangalore who want to help the animals, we always advise people to learn the right way or call us first and take our guidance uh, and then approach the animal accordingly.
0: Yeah, that's great. <laughs> you know, and there are there, there so many, uh, several uh, animal rescue centers in Bangalore, but it is so remarkable mm-hmm. that, and correct me if I'm wrong, you're one of two only certified wildlife rehabilitators, CWR, in India. Yeah, and you were the first. So congratulations mm-hmm. for this uh, CWR certification uh, from the International Rehabilitation Council so how how did it come to be tell us this story
1: so my journey into wildlife rehabilitation started in the us uh, you know it uh, until 2012 i was just working my corporate job uh, and didn't know much about wildlife rehabilitation but when i started looking into oh, something to do with conservation something uh, to do with social causes wildlife rehabilitation uh, happened to be one of the things that i was interested in And when I uh, wanted to get into it, actually, there are not many formal courses one can take to become a good wildlife rehabilitator. There may be related courses that you can take, but uh, wildlife rehabilitation as a course is not offered or was not offered at that time. Uh, So the way I learned wildlife rehabilitation is to actually get hands-on experience by volunteering at different places and taking these conferences and courses and wildlife rehabilitation offered by in different universities. And I wanted to make sure that I have the right information with me. And uh, IWRC, the International Wildlife Rehabilitation Council, offers this uh, test called certified wildlife rehabilitator ensuring that they any person who passes this test has um, an understanding of all different aspects of wildlife rehabilitation because it's not just the veterinary field, it has ecology as part of it and nutrition and you many other aspects uh, for a wildlife rehabilitation uh, for somebody to become a successful wildlife rehabilitator so uh, to just make sure that I have my concepts right and uh, so so I was looking for uh, some certification and that is how I found uh, this certification and I have taken it in somewhere in 2014 I think and happy to be uh, qualified as a certified wildlife rehabilitator having done that not only I am I am a certified wildlife life rehabilitator now it's also I'm also one of the instructors for International Wildlife Rehabilitation Council Mm -hmm. uh, who offer these training courses into wildlife rehabilitation.
0: I'm really glad for all the people who you work with and for all the animals rescue they're in good hands. So you know you studied veterinary technology it's not a I'm not familiar with that term could you explain that line of study?
1: Yeah, in India, again, we don't have this specific field as veterinary technology, but uh, in the U.S., there is this defined um, role as a veterinary technician. Uh, veterinary technicians can do a lot of things except for performing surgery or uh, prognosing medical outcomes, but they receive knowledge and uh, training in skills like animal anatomy, animal handling, pharmacology, anesthesia, radiology, nursing, um, surgical nursing, or, you know, many different skills that that go along with like, you know, handling an animal and taking care of an animal, uh, even including giving medications and all that. So since I could not do, uh, or, or that was not the path, I wanted to fast track my career into wildlife rehabilitation because... Even when I started this, my goal was ultimately to start a wildlife rehabilitation center of my own. So I wanted to make sure that I am familiar enough, since I don't come from a vet background, familiar enough with the concepts and things like that. So that's why I took this uh, veterinary technology uh, course. It's a two-year course to uh, get familiarized, to understand uh, how to take care of an animal uh, medically, basically.
0: Okay, that's amazing. It's so interesting to know that there are so many options, uh, you know, to study. It's been seven years since you established uh, Avian and Reptile Rehabilitation Center, ARC, with Salim Hamid, he, who's a noted uh, environmentalist, illustrator, photographer, and also winner of the David Shepherd Award from the Wildlife Trust of India. And Nature Forever yeah. Society, Sparrow Support. I would love to yeah. hear how you, you know, began and
1: there's so many stories to tell. Yeah. So, uh, again, going back a little bit into my journey, in 2012, I quit my corporate career and I wanted to do something uh, that mattered to me. And 2012 to 2014, I was in the U.S. trying to get into f- different, fields like conservation, land restoration, organic farming, wildlife rehabilitation, etc. And suddenly I felt like, you know, why not do this back in my home country? And I wanted to explore possibilities if it would be feasible for me to come back here and do something. So I took a trip to India and I went to different cities here trying to find like-minded people, figuring out what possibilities exist. And one such person I met is uh, Salim Hamid and that time what he spoke to me, it definitely inspired me a lot and so that's how I ended up in uh, Bangalore, starting this uh, ARC center in Bangalore along with him. So he, Salim is one of the pioneers into wildlife rehabilitation in Bangalore. He has dedicated his life to it for a very long time when um, there was uh, wildlife rehabilitation is not even known or didn't even exist as a field at that time. When I spoke to him, it, it became very clear that, you know, while many people here care about wildlife, the formal way of taking care of them or the science part of it um, and the finances part of it, is makes it a little bit difficult to achieve the highest standards of uh, rehabilitation. So that looked like an opportunity for me because I was exposed in the U.S. to different wildlife rehabilitation centers that were run, like that existed for years and uh, scientific approach, scientifically being approached and all that. So I wanted to get some of that back to India and thanks to support from few of the other friends who are also uh, trustees of ARRC now, ARC now, that we were able to be financially, start this as a philanthropic initiative from all of us. So our passion also... Was in wildlife rehabilitation, and the finances were there, and guidance of uh, Saleem is also there. And yeah, with all these things, we thought like we could make a difference by starting a wildlife rehabilitation center um, here in India. And uh, thankfully, it did work out for us. And today, when we started in 2016, and in 2021, we did about 6,600 animals have been rehabilitated through our center. So I I feel that it's it's been a good journey so far.
0: Truly, in fact, I was uh, I was very impressed with how professionally your staff uh, rescued a bird from a park in front of our, my house. He was quiet, he was quick, and he was efficient. So you know mm-hmm. what, according to you, makes a good rescue center excellent? What is the training? Or mm-hmm. just tell us more about that.
1: Uh, so all our uh, the people who work particularly the rescuers who work for us they don't have any formal background in wildlife rescues as such um, some of them probably just pass their higher secondary school you know uh, it's not like they, they studied wildlife and then they come and become wildlife rescuers but we, even when we hire, hire someone we look for that passion in them like wanting to do right wanting to somewhere they, they want it's not just a job for them they also want to do something good so we hire people like that and once they start working with us you know we, we, we take a lot of time in in fact to culturally get them inducted into our own uh, the philosophy of arc as such where the animal matters first it's important to whenever you do a rescue it is important to make sure that the animal is safe the rescuer is safe and the public at large is safe and we take them uh, initially when someone joins they will shadow a senior rescuer and uh, they will learn from them on the job and all of that will be reinforced back um, through the training sessions and one one one-on-one coaching that we give So that's about how a wildlife rescuer becomes so efficient. But it stems from a larger philosophy that we have, which uh, if OK, I will go into now. Go ahead. One of the things that drives us to be efficient is this understanding that most nonprofits, including ours, is limited by resources, Um, whether it is uh, financial resources or uh, technical resources, etc., Uh, So we have to uh, be we have to try and use these minimal resources to do the maximum impact and in doing so, being efficient, um, being quick and being to the point helps a lot. So that is why we train our rescuers also to just get the information about the rescue ahead of time, discuss with the team, go with the plan finish the rescue with minimal stress to the animal and carry the animal back because after the rescue is done the animal has to come back to our uh, rehabilitation center for it to get treatment so that that's that's how they are trained to make sure that it is done efficiently so that they can do they can rescue more animals and they can get those animals back to the hospital timely so they their treatment can start
0: all right you have so many people at Arc who play so many different roles, starting with the mm-hmm. vet. Uh, you know, you have mm-hmm. the outreach coordinator, the rescue coordinator, the wildlife rehabilitator, the animal care manager, mm-hmm. animal rescuer, animal caretakers, uh, and of course, the maintenance staff. So I was wondering whether you could, you know, briefly tell us about uh, one of these roles, perhaps the, the rescue coordinator.
1: Dentally, I think that wildlife rescue coordinator is one of the most important a key roles for a rescue center because the first interface that public have uh, when they find an animal is they, they call the rescue helpline and it reaches the rescue center. So it is important for this person to calm the person, assess the situation, try to get the key information from, uh, from the caller. And then accurately assess the situation and figure out uh, how if the animal needs help and if it does how to go about it and assign the right rescue team, uh, which can handle that rescue safely. Through all these things, they will have to deal with different types of uh, personalities, like some people who call, they are very nervous when they find an animal. Some people who call, they get uh, very aggressive like you know, uh, you know how how long are you going to take I, can you not come in the next five minutes some people mm. will be will be not so sure they want to help but they don't want to they, they're scared of the animal so so different all kinds of people call the rescue coordinator through all mm. these things they have to keep their their objective in mind which is helping that animal which cannot speak for itself and, uh, you know, there is no caretaker for that animal that can accurately give the history of all that that had happened. So to keep the person calm, to keep themselves calm and to be able to help the animal is the role that a rescue coordinator has to play. And day in, day out, someday there could be you know, 50 calls on the phone. You know, it doesn't matter. They have to keep going through one, one after the other rescue call and ensure that every call gets the same kind of the proper care, proper instructions animal is safe person is safe our rescue team is safe so that's why Mm -hmm. I think that this rescue coordinator role is a key role and thankfully we do have some good people handling uh, these rescue calls at our center
0: it's an important role but I think yeah all of y'all in your own you know way have uh, very important uh, roles yeah thank you I spoke to some members of the team who work behind the scenes including the vet, Dr.
2: So Hi, I'm Dr. Ashwatha, and I've been working near R.C. for a little over three years now. So yeah, it was quite of a new field for me also, because wildlife is not exactly entirely deeply taught in veterinary studies in India. So it was quite new to me, and I have been learning ever since I've joined here, and I'm still learning. It's a very... A rewarding thing to work here, I see. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me how, you know, normal, what's a normal day for you? Uh, So I come around 10 Mm o'clock. So my main aim when I come is to recap on everything that's happened from the time I left in the evening, the previous evening, till the morning that I reached there. So I recap with all that has happened overnight. And then I move on to what we have to do for that day, which birds need more attention, and what animals, what like the whole course for the day, mm-hmm. and who's gonna handle what feeds, basically a whole overview. Just okay. take up on that, and also this is peak season, so I we I didn't know that. Hmm. Yeah, and we yeah. have to like excessively stress on how to manage the large number of. Birds that we're getting so that is one main thing that we are busy with right now so all the cages are full and we have yeah. to release the birds that are good and everything has to just keep monitoring so there's always one work after the other
0: but you know like one doesn't know when one rescues an animal mm-hmm. what are the possibilities of what has happened to that animal? I mean, there must be other things that you don't know about, you know, apart, apart from what you physically see, mm-hmm. you know, what are the things an animal goes through? That's what I want to know. And how do you figure that out and uh, resolve
2: the issues? Okay. So obviously, like we all know, animals can't speak. So that is the one biggest problem that we face. But otherwise, also whenever something is wrong, like even for us, if we're having a cold, it is manifested by some of the other symptoms, right? whether you'll have a cough or you'll see dullness at least. Mm. So the same things are correlated in animals also. So if an individual is not feeling well, they are going to be dull. That in itself is the major symptom. So to treat dullness, first thing is we need to get them back to health. Once that is taken care of, you can find out what other issues are there. And uh, there will be... A lot of information in the history of the animals. So like uh, many cases we get of animal attacks. So then we would search for injuries and accordingly we treat them. So based on the history, like even if a person is reporting a bird that would have fallen from the nest. So then we know it's a young one. We check it for fractures or accordingly we treat it after that. So Mm -hmm. one main thing about wildlife is that they get stressed very easily. And in wildlife, it's a very common saying that stress kills. So sometimes when even if a bird is just dull and we do not find any abnormalities, physical abnormalities or deformities or any injuries or anything, sometimes it just happens that the presence of a human can cause the bird's death. So in that way, we have to be very careful about how much human interaction these birds and animals are facing. We try to keep it to minimal. We are always handling them with a the cloth Sometimes you can't exactly ascertain the causes of why they've come to us. So in that case we treat them, uh, it's called palliative treatment. So based on our assumptions and what we see, it's dull, we give it fluids, it's not able to eat, we keep it on fluids. So such things we go ahead with the treatment till we are certain about what may have caused it to be dull. Usually that resolves it. Okay. Because even invasive treatments in wildlife, no, it just leads to stress. So that would anyways cause its death. Actually, recently I have been dealing with a lot of collision cases in kites. Okay. So usually we see a lot of collision cases in small birds like And Collision meaning or glass or things Most, like that? Mostly it is glass. Hmm. They won't be able to see it and they just crash. Like, because coils are fruit-eating birds, so they'll always be searching in the Mm -hmm. gardens and then they would all of a sudden fly up and not see a window or something Mm -hmm. and crash into it. Those are the common cases in coils. but kites as such fly high. But, yeah, once in a while they do crash into a skyscraper Mm -hmm. or something. Mm -hmm. And we've been getting those cases, not a lot, but a little more in number. So I've been wanting to figure out how to deal with those because they head-on crash into something, right? So their face is affected. And what we have been seeing is that the eyes get affected. Mm. So, as such, like dealing with the eye that has gotten damaged is very difficult because mm. they need to see right, to catch their them. prey or mm. to scavenge or whatever. But, yeah, we have been dealing with those and I've been finding that very challenging, even to find out which antibiotics are more preferable for eye infections and all that. So, but recently, yeah, we did a surgery for a fellow who had an eye deformity they're still waiting on how his recovery will be but usually these birds actually are able to live with their birds. one eye or they manage to adjust mm. to their surroundings mm-hmm. and learn how to fly also around it mm. so as far as their claws are fine they are able to actually learn how to live in the wild also that's amazing yeah.
0: I see that you conduct workshops for various organizations. Uh, Would you ever think of holding one for citizens, you know, like a first aid for animals sort of thing or would it be too complicated?
1: Mm, Yeah, first aid for animals, uh, for citizens is a little like particularly with wildlife, right? I mean, there are certain rules and laws. We don't want people to end up keeping them at home or keeping them for too long. Um, so that may not be, but what would be more appropriate, I think, for citizens would be how to coexist with wildlife. I mean, we get a lot of calls from um, you know, apartment complexes or uh, these resident welfare associations with like, you know, we have a problem with bats around us. We have a problem with owls. I mean, and right now in the current season, I just heard from my rescue coordinator who is saying I'm getting a lot of calls about kite conflicts um so you know the con we are living in an urban environment which we share with this wildlife so they use the space we use the space we are all using this common space and so conflict is inevitable I mean encounters are inevitable I would say I mean it depends upon our perspective whether we see it as a conflict or just uh Encounter with an animal. So, how to coexist this uh, with 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 wild um, animals or wild neighbors uh, is important, and and we can all do something to promote wildlife uh, in our neighborhoods. Uh, So, that is something. Those kind of um, talks or uh, presentations would be more appropriate for general citizens. I would feel.
0: Yeah, that sounds actually more practical. Yeah. Mm All right, you know you made a career of wildlife rescue. What would you tell somebody contemplating this the same?
1: So uh, yeah, wildlife rescue or rehabilitation is uh, it's a it's a way of life now. I would say for me, when you empathize with the, the plight of these urban wildlife or wildlife in general, we understand uh, you will understand that they are suffering a lot because of um, the ways in which you know our goals are not in alignment with what is good for them like our own developmental goals are directly putting us in conflict with the the animals like we are taking away their habitat you know we are uh, constructing things that obstruct their pathways and things like that so Somebody wants to get into wildlife, I would say first one should understand uh, the ecology behind it, the importance of the ecosystem services that these wildlife provide for us. And once you understand why it is important and once you want to get into it, it is still you have to be prepared for this career because it's not an easy career. That, That I would say there is not a great pay in it that's uh, that's unfortunate sure. um yeah but still there are people who are working on it because they're passionate about it it's, it's like one of the social engineering kind of causes like you know all of us uh if we are aware of the things that we are causing yeah, knowingly or unknowingly to the wildlife we share the space with and in, uh, and the person who makes their career uh, wildlife rescues as their career would would be the conduit or would be this uh, person who will make the society around him aware of this connect between the wildlife and humans and how we can be compassionate and we can live in a way that we can coexist with this with with wildlife so the career needs a lot of dedication a lot of understanding of the wild animals in general because you know these these animals they will not be able to tell us what they need you have to try and figure it out you have to understand animal behavior Um, so it's a quite an interesting field I would say because it combines a lot of different Mm. aspects Like I keep repeating, it's about animal behavior, it's about ecology, it's about urban development and the confluence of all these things and and figure out a response uh, to this conflict that we are facing today and turn it into coexistence. That is the role of this wildlife rescuer Mm -hmm. or wildlife rehabilitator. So career-wise, it's extremely interesting and uh, a person would grow by working in this, but it has to come from passion because it's not one of the high-paid careers out there. Yeah.
0: Like most outdoor <laughs> careers, yeah. Yeah. yeah, but well said, thank you. I also spoke to Veera Babu, wildlife rescuer at A, who has been working there since two thousand sixteen. When you get a rescue like request, what do you feel?
3: actually uh... actually, that painting is not express me, but I feel that painting we have a voice that don't have a voice. So is express? I don't understand, but hardly I feel 100% is, uh, I, I feel like that, oh, the, how much pain is expressed. Uh, somebody calling me, we go and uh, how to uh, estimate, like uh, how do I remove that, how to uh, save the we'll bird, discuss. discuss and the team also, we will all discuss. Then I will safely I will take the bird and uh, I bring here in uh, my rehabilitation center we have uh, this team so uh, saving. Mm-hmm. He is saving his statement then after that same location i will released so so
0: you you will also
3: go to release the bird yeah release so. the bird released mm-hmm. and rescued both first mm-hmm. rescue then the how to condition that yeah. bird condition also i have informed here so we he prepare here then i give bird and uh, mm-hmm. the after then bird is everything is fine flew well then I will release the yeah, same you
2: place.
3: You must feel very good. Yes, Actually, we, we have a um, probably say work satisfaction mm. is the most important that. Before I work some place, maybe some couple of 2-3 uh, places, mm. but we do not have that place in work satisfaction. Mm-hmm. But here, work mm-hmm. satisfaction is the most important. So, we so, satisfactorily I do is a good work so oh. but it's, it's that.
0: what does your wife think about uh, yeah job? my
3: wife also is supporting me yeah. lots of uh, supporting me she is also is doing uh, hospital work okay. she is social service also she, she and my mindset is uh, is uh, connecting that Very but uh, my family is not a rich my father is a carpenter I do this work what's the properties came I don't think that
0: both
3: of you and the caring, caring work. Yes, always.
0: Hey guys, hold on. This is not the end. Do listen to part two to find out more about how Jayanthi Kalam and her team are raising the standards of wildlife rescue and rehabilitation in India. I'm Lalita Krishnan signing off. And do remember, you can read the transcript for this podcast on my blog, Earthy Matters, very soon. And also listen to it on many platforms.